0: Thank you Miss Diane, thank you Debbie and Dr. Bob for leading us in worship this morning through our music while Nick Weber, our music minister, is out on vacation with his family and summer is the season for vacation. How many of you are planning to go somewhere other than Lawrence County this summer? Man, some of you need to get out of here. I love you, but just go. It is, uh, it is a little discouraging, at least for me, sometimes during the summer to look out here on Sunday mornings and see several empty seats and empty pews, and that's just because I miss people. It is good to go and see family and go to have, have fun with your family on vacation, uh, but as a pastor, you, you go, oh, so-and-so's not here this morning, or so-and-so's gone the next couple weeks. We're going to miss being around them, but on this particular Sunday morning each year, I get really excited to see empty seats. And let me explain why. There are over 60 students in 7th to 12th grades, several of them church members, uh, some of them still who don't know Jesus, that are at Stone Ridge Baptist Camp up in Smithville for Survivor along with those uh, over 60 students are between 20 and 30 of our adult church members that are there with them. And it's a good thing that they're there. I had the opportunity to go with them on Thursday and to be there all day Friday and Saturday. Jack and Mary Jo Wolf have done an excellent job leading tribal challenges for the students and for the leaders. We've had way too much fun. If you uh, wonder why I'm wearing a white bandana, it's because I'm on the white tribe, and we are much better than the yellow tribe that Bryson is on. (laughs) And it's also because I told Ray Stone that I would wear this today. I'm doing this for Ray. I'm also doing this for Willie. In fact, that's a good name for you to write down if you take notes. Just write down Willie's name. Pray for Willie. That, uh, that guy has some huge leadership potential, to be honest with you. He has the body of Jack Black, the hair of Bob Ross, and the comedic ability of Chris Farley. I mean, it's just... It, I'm telling you, it, that's just him. Um, and Willie uh, says he knows Jesus and he wants to follow him. We've had some good talks this week, and he's not the only one there that, uh, that knows Jesus and wants to follow him. Uh, Graham West has been leading worship through music. You heard Bryson mention that Kenzie Flippo has been preaching God's word and uh, do a wonderful job sharing the truth with those students. And many of those adults just continue to serve in some unique and powerful ways. When I left the camp last night around 10.30, three students have been saved and baptized in the swimming pool And another student who had already made a personal decision to follow Christ decided to make her faith public by hopping in the swimming pool for baptism. There's one more young lady who came to know Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior earlier this year at One Life, and she has asked to be baptized, so they're planning to baptize her uh, tonight. The Holy Spirit has been moving in the midst of that group of students and adults And I'm sure continues to do that even there this morning. And that's why I'm excited that the pews are a little empty today. That's a good thing. In fact, I want to challenge some of you. Let the pews be a little more empty next summer. All right? Hey, listen, if if you gotta work Thursday and Friday and even Saturday uh, next year for Survivor, You're sitting here this morning, so I'm taking it. You probably don't have to work Sunday. You got a free excuse to miss church. I won't complain a bit. In fact, I'll tell you to go up there and hang out with those students. Be a part of what God's doing. I'm also excited to be here with you because just as the Holy Spirit has been speaking to the hearts of teenagers at that camp in Smithville this week, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to your heart here this morning. And so if uh, you have a Bible with you today, and if you want to hear the Holy Spirit speak to your heart, please open it up and turn to John chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 16, the Holy Spirit does speak to human hearts, and He does so chiefly through the inspired Word of God. So when we come Sunday mornings and we open God's Word, don't just expect to listen to me say a few things to you. Expect the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 16, I'm going to preach to you this sermon today, walking on the Sabbath. The Bible says in John chapter 5, verse 1, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity, 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He said to them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. The main point I ask you to consider with me from this story is that Jesus wants us to walk in truth instead of wasting away in tradition. Jesus wants us to walk in truth instead of wasting away in tradition. Let's take a a closer look at how this thought develops throughout this story of the lame man at the pool of Bethesda by underscoring this thought in the first six verses. I want you to note this in verses 1 through 6. Jesus knows our miserable condition. Jesus knows our miserable condition. The ancient city of Jerusalem was walled and surrounded by gates for entry and exit. That was how you got access to the city. One of these gates was known as the Sheep Gate because of the flocks of sheep that would enter through that gate to come into the market. Next to this Sheep Gate was a big pool known as Bethesda or Bethzatha. This pool actually consisted of an upper pool and a lower pool. It was surrounded on all four sides by large covered porches. And a fifth porch was in between the upper pool and the lower pool. Throughout these porches were a bunch and tons of sick people. All kinds of ailments. Some with incurable diseases. Some unable to see anything at all. Perhaps even some who couldn't hear anything at all. Some who could not walk. Some with severely injured arms or upper limb deformities. And in their physical conditions, they were absolutely miserable, and they wanted to be healed. Many of these people may not have had families to take care of them. They came to this pool seeking healing. The end of verse 3 and all of verse 4 is not found in several of our English translations of the Bible, And if you want to learn about the difference between the Greek manuscripts that are used to translate our various English versions, I'll be happy to have a couple hour conversation with you at some point, but I don't want to get sidetracked with that this morning. So just suffice it to say this, verses 3 and 4 tell us of the tradition that had developed among the people sitting by the poolside. And the tradition, the superstition went like this and we know that this developed because we see it later on in verse 7 the pool was fed not only by rain but also by an an infrequent and an intermittent spring and so every once in a while the water would bubble up and the superstition that developed from this spring-fed pool is that when this bubbling happened it was actually an angel that had come down from heaven who was stirring up the water. And the superstition led to the belief in the practice that the first person to get into the pool after the stirring of the water would be healed. Now, I'll share this with you. God can do whatever he wants to, can heal anybody at any time. I really think that there may have been some people healed in this water. But you ready for this? I really don't think that that's how the Holy Spirit works. And that's what God wanted to see happen. Demons are fallen angels and have power just like angels in heaven do. I really think that Satan had gotten this multitude of sick people so far off track in the superstitious belief that they're waiting for the stirring of the water so that they can hop in and be healed. And if you think about it, I'm sure it was a pretty tough sight to behold, could you imagine dozens of infirm and physically disabled people in a race trying to submerge themselves down stone steps into water to be healed of their malady and then try to get back out of the water if they weren't the first ones in so that they could go and crawl back to their corner spot in the shade or lay down on their bed? This is what happened every time. Just imagine it. You've got blind James over here. He can't see when the water bubbles up. So all of a sudden he hears the ruckus. And blind James tries to make it down the steps. He can't see where he's going. And tumbles in. Not only that, you've got a deaf Guy over here named John. He can see the water bubbling up. And he's one of the first to try to get there. And as he gets up and takes off, he can't hear the commotion coming from behind him because he can't hear anything. And one person pushes him this way, trying to get in. The other person pushes him that way to get in. And before he can even make it to the pool, he falls down on the ground, hits his head on the rocks. Could you imagine those people hopping into the pool? Perhaps a limb had been severed, maybe even above the elbow. As they get down into the pool, they're one of the last ones in there and the crowd pushes them to the back. They aren't really a good swimmer and they're struggling to get up out of the water with their one arm. Could you imagine a man who couldn't walk Laying there, seeing clearly the bubbling water, hearing the commotion, watching everybody move, and crawling as fast as he could, trying to get into the water in hopes that he might be able to walk again. Guys, this was not a place where you went because you had hope. This was a place you went because you were hopeless. This is a place you went because nobody else had a cure. You were gambling. You were hoping in your hopelessness that maybe, maybe you might get lucky, and people wouldn't be paying attention, and you'd be the first one in to see the water stirred up so that you could be healed. This was a sad place and there were multitudes of people there. We find out that there was one man in particular in verse 5 who was there and he hadn't just come for a couple of days. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years and we know from the language here that his infirmity had been with him for 38 years we don't know how long he'd been at the pool but we could probably guess it had been a long time maybe he'd been at the pool all 38 of those years he'd had this infirmity but maybe it just got to the point that his family couldn't take care of him or maybe he didn't have any family left or maybe he just knew his family didn't want to be around him anymore maybe he got tired of being around them And so he went to the pool, laid there, hoping he'd be the first to get in. But I want you to notice something very interesting in this passage. Jesus didn't stay away from these multitudes of sick people. He went right in the middle of them. Came walking through the porch In the midst of that misery, in the midst of all of those illnesses, Jesus saw that man lying there. And Jesus also knew that he had been in that condition for a long time. And Jesus, knowing that man's miserable state, asked him a question Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Jesus came to this man because he knew the state he was in. And Jesus came to pull him out of it. The tradition that had developed in this man's mind was, if I could be the first one into this water, then I can walk. Jesus knew this man was hopeless and he came to offer him hope. And it's the same that Jesus does for all of us. We may not have a physical disability that keeps us from walking. But because of sin that's in our hearts and in our lives, man, we find ourselves in a miserable state. A miserable state. We're struggling and trying to do what God wants us to do, but we just can't. We try over and over again. We even develop these little superstitious beliefs like, maybe if I put enough money in the offering plate, God will give me enough money to pay my bills and have groceries for my family. Maybe if I show up to church on Sunday morning, God won't let anything bad happen to my family this week. Maybe if I do this, then God will do that. And really... We're just practicing empty, superstitious beliefs, hoping in our hopelessness that God will see us and have mercy on us. It's not how God works. God sees us in our miserable state, knows our condition, and comes to us on purpose there were many other gates to use to get into the city of Jerusalem. Jesus walked through the Sheep Gate. Why? Because he wanted to go by this pool to meet this man so that he could walk in truth instead of wasting away in tradition. The Lord Jesus will come after you because he knows the miserable state in which you're in and your sin. And he'll come to you and he'll provide you hope in the midst of your hopelessness and he'll offer you the opportunity to be saved to trust him to get out of this empty tradition that you're in and to come to know him as the way the truth and the life Jesus wants us to walk in truth instead of wasting away in tradition and we don't just note that Jesus knows our miserable condition. We also note in verses 7 through 9 that Jesus overthrows our mistaken conceptions. Jesus overthrows our mistaken conceptions. Did you you catch the question Jesus asked the lame man at the end of verse 6? Do you want to be made well? And Pay attention how the man answered. Verse 7. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into this pool when the water stirred up. But while I'm coming, another person steps down before me. Maybe we have every word here that Jesus spoke in this conversation with this man. Maybe Jesus didn't say this, but I think we're all thinking the same thing. Jesus didn't ask you if you wanted to get stuck in the water when the water was stirred up. He asked you if you wanted to be made well. This man was so focused on trying to get into the water that he didn't know that the person who could make him walk was standing right in front of him. Jesus said to him in verse 8, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately, the man was made well, took up his bed, Did Jesus pick up the guy and take him to the pool and stick him in the water and say, all right, you're good to go now? No. Jesus said, sir, get up. Pick up your bed. Walk. Get out of here. Go home. You don't have to be here anymore. Jesus was overthrowing the mistaken conceptions that this lame man had had. Which were these? The only possible way I can get better is if somebody sticks me in that little magic water over there. That's the only chance I've got. And Jesus had come to overthrow his mistaken conception. It wasn't about magic water, it was about the Son of God, God Himself in human flesh standing before him it was about listening and obeying the Son of God rise take up your bed and walk could you imagine the thoughts running through this man's mind when Jesus said that can do, do you not see the situation maybe you guys need to see it do Jesus said do you not see the situation here? what did the guy do? he stood up he picked up his bed and he walked could you imagine going from thinking the only chance I've got is to crawl into that pond over there before somebody else gets in To somebody walking up and just saying, hey, you're good to go. Go on ahead. This 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 man's mindset completely changed. No longer did he expect that he had to go through some weird ritual to get better. Immediately he was healed at the very word of this man. Jesus will overthrow our mistaken conceptions. Some of us, for some reason, think we have to do all of these things before we can ever get God's grace. It's not how it works. We sang about it just a little bit ago. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Jesus doesn't require us to jump through hoops. Jesus doesn't make us go through all kinds of mazes and back doors to get into his kingdom. Jesus comes to us, says, Rise. Pick up your bed. Walk. Jesus overthrows our mistaken conceptions because he wants us to walk in the truth instead of wasting away in tradition. Could you imagine what would have happened if that guy would have looked up at Jesus and said, Jesus, you know what? I I know you told me to get up and pick up my bed and go home, but I think I'm just going to wait here I I think I'm just going to stay here. You know, I've been waiting a long time. I think I'm just going to wait. I'm going to get a little closer to the pool. If you'll just scoop me over some, maybe I can roll in. I'm going to try that strategy next. Could you imagine if, if the guy had said that instead of just taking Jesus at his word and standing up and walking? There are many people when Jesus comes to them Instead of taking him at his word, instead of trusting him and following him in simple faith and obedience, they say, yeah, you know what, Jesus, I'm good. I I know I'm miserable. I know I'm lost in my sin. I know I'm blind spiritually, but I appreciate the encouragement. I appreciate the offer. just, Just let me keep doing this my own. I'll be all right. How foolish would that be? Jesus comes in to take over, to change our hearts and our minds, and that's what he did with this man. Not only does Jesus know our miserable condition and overthrow our mistaken conceptions, but Jesus also bestows his merciful compassion. Look at the end of verse 9. We find an interesting note in John's Gospel. This miracle took place on the Sabbath day, Saturday, the seventh day, the last day of the week. This was the day on which the Jews worshipped and they rested from all of their work. This man did what Jesus told him. He he rose, he took up his bed, and he walked. And some Jews saw him carrying his bed, his pallet rolled up under his arm. And they said to this guy who'd just been healed, It's the Sabbath day. You're not supposed to be carrying a load. That's working. These Jews had added their own traditions to God's law in the Old Testament. In fact, it may have been a, a, a possibility that when Jesus walked through the sheep gate into the city of Jerusalem, that he heard some of these Jewish people who were zealous for the law saying, "Do not do any work on the Sabbath day, but honor God's word. Keep this day holy." Back in Jeremiah chapter seventeen, verses nineteen through twenty-two, Jeremiah the prophet received a word from the Lord. Thus the Lord said to me, Go and stand in the gate of the children of the people, by which the kings of Judah come in, and by which the kings of Judah go out, and in all the gates of Jerusalem. And say to them, Hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah, and all Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem who enter by these gates. Thus says the Lord, Take heed to yourselves, and bear no burden, don't carry a load. On the Sabbath day. Nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem. Nor carry a burden. Out of your houses on the Sabbath day. Nor do any work. But hallow the Sabbath day. As I commanded your fathers. There is probably at least one street preacher. Quoting these words of Jeremiah. In the gates of Jerusalem. And these people. As well-intentioned as they were, are now getting on to a lame man that Jesus has healed, saying, up, 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 you're not supposed to be carrying that blanket right there. It's a day of rest. You know, the guy responded back to them in verse 11, well, look, the one who made me walk told me to get up, take up my pallet and walk. So I'm just doing what he said. You guys had not been willing to help me. You passed me in the sheep gate by that pool all the time. You hadn't even been willing to kick me in with your foot when the water stirred up. I don't know why I'm going to listen to you. I'm just doing what this guy told me to do. Well, they said, well, who, who is this man that told you to take up your bed and walk? But he didn't know. I mean, he could have recognized his face if he saw him again, but he was just so excited he could walk, and there was such a big crowd there, things had just kind of got mixed up, and he just started moving, and... He didn't know who Jesus was. And then something interesting happened. Jesus didn't just heal this man of his physical infirmity. Jesus went back to this man after he was healed and talked to him some more. Verse 14 says that Jesus found him in the temple. Which is interesting. The temple is the place where the Jews would go to worship would go to pray. This pool at Bethesda or Beth Zatha was a place where many people had begun to worship false gods of healing, believe in all kinds of superstitions and miracles taking place. It's like this man has realized, you know what, everything that I believed was wrong. I need to go back and worship the one true God. Jesus knew where to find him in the temple. And note what Jesus said to this man. See, you have been made well. I think the guy was probably like, yeah, no no kidding. It's been a while, 38 years since I've been able to walk. Jesus, I don't think I'm going to forget that. I can see pretty clearly. But Jesus then said, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. You know, sometimes in life, accidents happen, tragedy befalls people. It's not their fault. It just happens. A drunk driver can be coming down the road at blazing speed and swerve and smash you in your car when you're driving under the speed limit, wearing your seatbelt, and you can suffer some major injuries. It's not your fault. But then there are some times that you make a mistake in life. You do something foolish and you suffer the consequences of your actions. I really think based on Jesus' words in verse 14 that the reason this man had become lame was because of some error he had made in his own life. And when Jesus said, sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you, Jesus is trying to help this man understand. Listen You've been laying by that poolside a long time, believing in some false things, hoping in your hopelessness that you just miraculously get better if you went into the magic water. You don't want to go back there. But Jesus also wanted this man to realize, hey, before you got hurt, and before you ended up by that poolside, when you were living and walking in sin, that's not where you need to go back to either. Sin no more lest a worse thing happen to you. Sin has consequences. and Preachers have said before, and they've well said it, sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. It'll make you pay way more than you ever wanted to pay. We don't know what this man did, but he had sinned. He'd fallen short of God's glory. But Jesus still chose to offer him mercy and compassion. And if, if this man's paralysis, his lameness, was a result of some horrible thing he had done in his past, don't you think he remembered the sin he committed that had got him to that point? And when Jesus came and healed him, And then when Jesus came back to him and said, don't sin anymore lest the worst thing come upon you. Don't you think for this man that he realized, wow, this this man really does care about me. God really does love me. God really does want to give me grace and bestow upon me something that I don't deserve. And this is what is so amazing about the grace that we sing about. None of us, none of us deserve to be forgiven of the sin that we've committed. I mean, do we? Some of you think you do. Some of you think, I'm not as bad as so and so. I really deserve to get a free pass on that. Some of you think, well, I haven't done it habitually. God shows me a little extra grace, has to show me a little extra grace just so I can work my way out of it. That's not the amazing thing about grace. The amazing thing about grace is that God gives you what you do not deserve simply because He loves you and cares about you. Jesus bestowed merciful compassion upon this man. And when this man got up on his own two feet and began to walk, I don't think he walked the same way that he did before his accident 38 years before. The very first thing he did in verse 15 is that he departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. And I don't think he was ratting Jesus out to get Jesus in trouble. I think he just wanted to give credit where credit was due. Hey guys, you you wanted to know who that guy was that told me to get up, take up my bed and walk? I'll tell you, it's Jesus. And Jesus is a whole lot better than wasting my life by that poolside hoping to roll into some magic water. And Jesus is a whole lot better than just trying to keep a bunch of religious rules and not walking around with your bed on the Sabbath day. And Jesus is a whole lot better than walking around in the sin that I was living in so many years ago. Jesus has changed me. Jesus wants to save people from their sin. He made the lame man walk at the pool of Bethesda So that he could walk in the truth instead of wasting away in tradition. When Jesus saves us from our sins, we'll talk about it and people will take note. So here's where I want to end this morning. Jesus wants us to walk in truth instead of wasting away in tradition. Are you wasting away in tradition? Or are you walking in truth? Are you wasting away in tradition or are you walking in truth? Some of you got some really weird beliefs about God. They're not biblical. You think you have to do certain things to earn God's grace. You think you have to do this and maybe things will turn out right in your life. That's not how God operates. It's time to leave that tradition behind and walk in the truth. Some of you think I've got to keep all these religious rules and regulations or I'm not, not going to be the perfect person. It's time to pick up your bed and walk. That's not carrying a burden. That's walking in freedom. Some of you, Jesus has offered forgiveness to you. You trusted in Him. You believed he died for your sins and rose again. But instead of going and telling other people about him, you've gone back to some old ways. Jesus didn't save you so that you could live however you want. Jesus saved you so you could live however he wants. And when you truly know that you're saved, you're going to want to live how he wants you to live. You're never going to be the same. Just like this man was never the same. Don't waste your life in tradition. Walk in the truth of Jesus Christ. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. In just a moment, there's going to be a song of invitation. And as the song is... Played, I just encourage you to respond to the Lord today as He's spoken to your heart. Before I began preaching, I told you that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to your heart today. We've opened His Word. If your heart's been open, I know He's spoken to you. How do you need to respond to it? What tradition are you clinging to and wasting away in instead of walking in the truth? It's just time to get up and go. It's time to leave those things that are empty and vain behind. And it's time to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. He wants you to be made well. Will you just take Him at His word? Will you just get up, pick up your mat, and follow?